If you're just joining us for the first time in 2017, either because you're here for the first time or you've been away, welcome or welcome back. I wanna catch you up. It's very important to understand the trajectory that I really feel God is leading us on this year because it'll give you more context even for what I'm gonna be speaking about today. We're actually in week three of a message series that Louis said called I Choose. But to understand a bit more of the context of this series, let me take you back to January 1, 2017, where we broke out the brand new year I preached a message called Hello from the Other Side. And no, I did not sing the Adele song and everyone said, thank you, Jesus. Um, it came from the backstory of the message, Hello from the Other Side, came from a, a, seri- a, a, a time in history where the chosen people of God, the Israelites, they'd been held in captivity in Egypt, held as slaves, building pyramids and sphinxes and and digging irrigation channels for the Pharaoh and for the Egyptians. They'd been held in, in captivity as slaves for 400 years. And God appeared to a guy named Moses and tapped him and said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to say to Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, God's got a message for you. And this is the message, plain and simple. I want you to let my people go. I want you to let the Israelites go so they can go to a place that I've got for them. And, 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 God, and God showed them, showed the Israelites where He wanted to go, a land He'd promised them. And Pharaoh, a bit of a head scratcher, he actually let them go. And so Moses led them, and some of this, if you've seen sort of, uh, movies throughout history, Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea. And they spent some time on the other side of the Red Sea. And if you stop reading the story there and you think that that's the message I preached, hello from the other side, it's not. Because actually what happened is an incredibly cautionary tale for your life and for my life, is that, they, that the, Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt, away from slavery, across the Red Sea into a land, but that was not yet the promised land. That was en route to the promised land, but it wasn't the promised land. And unfortunately, the Israelites camped out there, stayed there in the land that was not yet the promised land for 40 years. And they just wandered around and around and around and around, doing the same thing, doing the same thing, day after day, week after week, year after year. Now the promised land was, it was further along their journey. They actually had to cross over another river called the Jordan River. But for 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness, despite the fact that God had put a promise in their future. And what's important to understand is is God is a God of promise. God is a God of potential. God is a God who speaks to your future. God is a God who can restore your past and and lead you into the promised land. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. And yet, do you know that despite the fact that God puts promises out in front of us, despite the fact that there's something more for us, despite the fact that God's all powerful, we can actually choose to not enter the promised land. It can actually, we can actually override God's promises and we can get stuck in the wilderness day after day, week after week, year after year. 
The same small thinking that we've always had. The same negative self-talk that we've always accepted. The same mediocre marriage that, well, at least we're not divorced, is, is uh, hashtag goals. The same poor health, the same credit card debt. Well, you know, we're surviving. Uh, the same uh, job that, that's a dead end job and, and, and you're miserable. The same uh, rebellious kids that you, you, you don't, you can't get your head around the same friends and family members who aren't yet following Jesus. Well, you know, there's still time. And you just keep going around and around and around in the wilderness, thinking that, well, at least we're surviving. God didn't just promise you survival. God's best is thriving. But to get to there, we have to continue across the Jordan and our decisions can thwart that. We're incredibly powerful. One of my majors in university uh, was economics. And in Economics 101, right off the bat, you will learn a concept called opportunity cost. And this is such an important concept because in Western society, we almost refuse to accept this as being true. And the idea of opportunity cost is that it recognises that there, is many, there are many decisions in our life that if we choose one thing, by choosing that, we are forfeiting the opportunity of having something else. For example, you can't choose to study for the exam and binge watch Stranger Things at the same time. To choose one, you have to give up the other. You can't choose to set your alarm and get up when you said you would and do the workout and hit the snooze button nine times as well. You can either do one or the other. There's an opportunity that you forfeit by choosing one or the other. You can either choose to spend within your means or choose to have the car and the motorbike and the jet ski and the powerboat and the 85 inch TV and the pergola where the louvers do this and do that in case it gets hot. Guys, if it gets hot, there's an easy fix. It's called inside. Anyway, you, you can't choose everything. We love to think we can have it all. You can't have it all. You can't move to the promised land and stay in the wilderness at the same time. And when you understand that certain decisions are mutually exclusive, that to choose one, you have to give up the other, you would have to be the village idiot to choose the one that has the less benefit. And yet, I see it time and time again, where people make low return on investment decisions, make survival decisions. And it's because it's familiar, it's because it's comfortable, it's because it's convenient, it's because it doesn't cost us anything, it's because it doesn't require us to have to grow, to sacrifice, to, oh man, we just crossed the Red Sea. Oh, come on, what, another river? I don't do rivers anymore. Well, fine, hang around here. But if you wanna to go to the other side, there's an opportunity and it's gonna require some decisions. And so two weeks ago, I put it out there that one of the, 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 the decisions that we'll have to choose in our life repeatedly 
where there's an opportunity that mutually exclusive many times is choose purpose over popularity. Sometimes God will call you to do things that not everyone's gonna understand, not everyone's gonna agree with, and, and you're gonna be faced with a choice. Do I choose to please God or to choose to please people? Village idiot puts people over God. But I've seen it happen time and again. Last week, I talked about the choice of choosing surrender over control. We didn't advertise that ahead of time because all the control freaks would have stayed home. What? I ain't going there. I'm gonna stay home because here I'm in control. And it's like, you're, again, this is village idiot mentality. You would choose to be the CEO of your own life instead of giving God that job description. All right, sucks to be you. Decision today, I choose discipline over regret. Now, I get it, I understand. I've been orbiting this planet for 48 years. For some of you, the D word is more offensive than the F word. I get it. Hey, little Johnny comes home from school. Hey, Johnny, did you learn anything at school today? Yeah, Mom. Uh, in social sciences, we learn about discipline. Right, that's it, Johnny. Come to me, bathroom. I'm gonna wash your mouth out with soap. We don't use that sort of language around here. And what's the name of that teacher? Teaching you such filth. Discipline. No, we're not gonna bleep that from the podcast. Discipline. So what's discipline? Here's a real simple definition. Choosing between what you want most and what you want now. Now, those of you that know me well could be forgiven for sitting there thinking, well, this is a pet message for you, Mark. Because I'm pretty disciplined. I'm known to be pretty disciplined. You will get text messages from me at 4.30 and it's not because I'm only just going to bed, it's because I'm just getting up. <clears throat> and I expect a reply instantly. <laughs> um, what I want to tell you this morning is I was not very disciplined for a very, 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 very long time in my life. I can hear my mum right this very minute from High Wycombe yelling out, preach it, son. I, I used to think when it came to my clothing, why go to all the trouble of folding and, and putting out of sight when you can just lay them all across the floor of your bedroom and then you know exactly where they are for when you next wanna use them. I would be perpetually late, like late, late, like, and I don't mean minutes late, I mean like, like calendar kind of late. I turned up late to my brother's wedding, not because I was, you know, waylaid, I just couldn't be bothered. I said, I'll turn up when I feel like it. And so I did. I think they were nearly finished. And I walked down the aisle and I took my place on the front row. And I didn't think that was inappropriate. My dad and mother apparently did. <laughs> yeah, but this is my point. It's like, that was normal for me back then. 
Didn't even cross my mind that there was a better way to live until God intercepted my world with a book actually called uh, The Road Less Traveled, written by a Christian psychotherapist named M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. The name kind of says it all. And, 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 and one of the big themes of this book is about discipline and how discipline and delaying of gratification has its own inherent rewards and will, and will actually be the better way to live, that you're a village idiot. My words, not his to choose to not live a life of discipline. And thank God that changed the trajectory of my life. And I started to do this really weird thing called growing up in my early 20s. Better late than never. (laughs) See, understanding and embracing discipline is actually a sign of maturity. And you know this, if you have kids, or if you're around kids, you know this. You serve little Mary some uh, little uh, chicken shredded and cut and ready and all that. No chewing required, Mary. And some little, little carrots, little baby carrots, boiled to death, just like your grandmother used to make them. And, uh, and you put them in, you go, here you go, Mary, dinner's ready, chicken and carrots. I don't like carrots. Now, mum knows this because, uh, well, Mary, um, guess what? If you, if you eat the carrots, I'll give you a little bit of ice cream for dessert. Don't want to eat the carrots. No, 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 Mary, you don't understand. If you choose to eat the carrots, then, then you will get to eat the ice cream. Well, I just want the ice cream. No, 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 Mary, you don't understand. You'll get the ice cream, but the pathway to the ice cream goes through the tunnel of carrots. And unless you eat the carrots, you won't get to eat the ice cream. And, 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 and what happens next? There is a nuclear standoff until one person hits the launch code. Kids don't understand, don't understand. Just, just eat your carrots, eat them, put them in your pocket, don't. But you know, you'll get the ice cream. But if you still think that way when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, you missed the memo. You missed the the insightful wisdom from God Himself that it is better to choose discipline over regret. Now, Louis talked about the Elevate app before. You can pop that open. You can tap the Bible. It's probably got the right verse in there. We had a little bit of a technological malfunction last week. And it's gonna take you to a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to the Romans. And let me give you a little bit of backstory about Paul if you don't know much about him. Paul was a pretty big deal in the early church. Kind of like I called him the heavyweight champion of the early church. Wrote most of the, the letters that you read in the new part of the Bible. He, he, he was kind of responsible for launching new churches in key cities around the known world. And he would, whilst he didn't stay and lead those churches, he'd train someone else up and, and hand that over to them. He would write them letters. But here's the thing about Paul. Paul used to be a leading Jewish scholar and, and not just a, a, a leading Jewish scholar, kind of a zealot, kind of like the, the guy that if you're gonna do something, do it properly. So, so he went about persecuting Christians. Like if Christians are a threat to, to, to Judaism, then we need to, to push back on them. But let's not just lock them up, let's kill them. So that was his job description, going around killing Christians. And Jesus didn't like this too much. And so Jesus, Jesus made him, struck him blind. It's like, it's good to be Jesus. You got someone that's doing something you don't like, boom, blind. It's like, how good's that? It's a superpower. I'd love to have that superpower. 
And, uh, and so Paul, but Jesus said, go to this place. And, 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 when, and, and when you get there, you know, we'll help you see again. So Paul was like, and Jesus himself appeared to Paul. Ever had Jesus physically appear to you? No, me neither. I mean, you know, I believe he is who he is and he's risen again and, and I feel his presence. But I have seen the guy like, oh, Paul had. This is a guy that's writing what I'm about to read you. This is the kind of calibre of the guy that's writing what I'm about to read you. This is what Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, what I don't understand about myself, Paul, y'all, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, ice cream, but then I act Another, doing things I absolutely despise. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. And then I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Anyone relate to this? I swear when I opened that packet of Tim Tams, I only meant to eat one, I swear. Look, I know, I know what we decided that I was just gonna go to the store and buy that one pair of shoes I needed for my new job. I, I, but, but when I got there, they, they were just singing my name. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. And I also decide not to do bad, but I do it anyway. See, Paul can relate to your Tim Tams and shoe addiction. He went on to say, I write to them, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. And nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? This is a desperate man saying some desperate things. Thankfully, he says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and, and does. Often the struggles that we have with choosing what we want most over what we want now is that we don't access a source of power that will give us the strength to actually push through that will give us the clarity to, to understand there's a bigger why as to why I should say no to that and say yes to that. There, there, there's something beyond my own appetites, my own uh, uh, fickle, shallow end of the pool living that, that is better, that, that, that there's something more than just wandering around in the wilderness and that Jesus, only Jesus can lead us there, but it requires us to submit our life to Him. It requires us to surrender our thinking to Him. It requires us to submit and surrender our preferences and our will to His. And to ask the question, not just do I believe in you, Jesus, not just am I following you, Jesus, but Jesus, are there any ways I could follow you better? Are there any ways I can get to know you more intimately? Is there more across the other side? And if there is, by the way, spoiler, there is. If there is, how can I live my life in such a way that will see you take me 
to the other side. Take me to the promised land. I think there's a song in that somewhere. And this is, this is the big why. See, if you have a big enough why, it will align just about every what. What should I do in this situation? Well, what's the why? What's the target? What's the goal? Paul made it very clear, wrote to the Greeks. He'd finished with the wogs, the Italian wogs. He writes something to the Greek wogs. He says to them, don't you realise, uh, podcast listeners, I'm married to one, I can be racist. Don't you realise that in a race, everyone runs. Everyone runs. Everyone runs. Everyone runs. Everyone's busy. Everyone's doing stuff. Everyone runs. Okay. But only one person gets the prize. Who's that? Mm, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training and they do it to win a prize that'll fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. If you've ever asked the question, God, what's my purpose? I talked two weeks ago about that. Choose purpose over popularity. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? You know, too many people boil that question down to this one dimensional self-serving thing of what career should I choose? That's the purpose I wanna know more than anything, God. Which, which suburb should I live in? What, what, how many bedrooms, uh, house should we buy? You, you know, those things are all good, but they're little P purpose. Little P purpose, big P purpose is right here. An eternal prize that we run a race that our challenge and the reason we train and the reason we're disciplined is that we are on this planet to bring God glory. If you think that the eternal prize is just to get to heaven one day and hopefully life's not too shitty in the meantime, guys, you can do better than that. That's wilderness thinking. I try to only drop the S-bomb once or twice a year. I figure having said discipline many times, it would pale into insignificance. The discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Let me ask you some specific questions. Do you have a fill in the blank for this year as to what you want most? Is there something that God's put in your future? Is there, some, is there a promise that's waiting for you or you haven't actually received it yet? You haven't actually arrived there yet. What, what is it? And, and by the way, don't get too complicated. Just think of one thing. You, you, hopefully you've already thought of it. I mean, and I don't mean like in the last five minutes. I mean like as this year's broken out. What's something that you think, man, I, I'm surviving in this area of my life, but, but I know that there's a promise beyond that. There's thriving across the other side. What, what's something that you want most? It could be to get your health sorted this year. That, that, that oh, 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 you know, uh, I think Seinfeld called, called it the, the dad noise. You know, get up from the couch. You know, is, is that, you know, uh, get your health sorted. Like, like you, you have a reserved uh, chair in the waiting room at your doctor's surgery with your name on it. You know, good, God bless doctors. But, but, but is this gonna be the year that, that, that you uh, move from surviving in your, in your health 
to thriving is, could that be your most? Could it be paying off debt once and for all? I had this conversation just last week with a couple here saying that this year, they've been paying off debt, doing a pretty sterling job of it too, I might say. And they said, this year is gonna be the year that we pay off our debt to zero. That'll set us up for God's promises into next year. Well, they're still surviving. Is this the year that you're no longer gonna tolerate average in your marriage? We're not divorced yet. Is this the year that you are gonna have a closer relationship with God? That's what you want most. Is this the year that that friend that is, is in your sphere is gonna start following Jesus? Is that what you want most? Because here's the thing. First of all, it's important to identify what you want most. Then there's a second question. What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most. See, if what you want most is a closer relationship with God, then I recommend you do something like choosing to download the Bible app and set yourself up on a reading plan and get busy reading God's Word. And that the cumulative exposure to God's Word over this year, because you chose to, will see you Get closer to Him. It's your choice. There's a promise. God wants intimacy with you even more than you want intimacy with Him. I choose. If you want most to get out of debt, hope is not a strategy. Taking the credit card statement out of the letterbox and putting it straight in the recycling without even opening it is not a strategy. I choose to not look at this credit card statement. (laughs) No, map out your debt snowball. Make your budget and apply it. If what you want most is to see your friends start following Jesus, then then choose to pray for them more consistently. Choose to invest in them more intentionally. Because it's our decisions, not our intentions, that determine our destination. And you might say, oh, yeah, but Mark, it's so hard. Yeah, I know. It's because you haven't been doing it. But that snooze button is just, it's next to, it's next to the off button. And, and, I, and, and I, I'm used to turning my phone in such a way that, that it's even closer than the off button. It's just so hard to reach to the, the off button. So I keep hitting the snooze button. Every week for this series so far, I've given you guys the opportunity and the invitation to join me in, in, in standing and declaring that you're gonna make this decision. And I've been super encouraged, by the way, of the amount of people each of the first two weeks that stood and declared that I choose purpose over popularity. Last week, I choose surrender over control. It's hilarious. It is hilarious to me, like good hilarious. If, if giving God control is an issue and, and you make the first step towards surrender, standing where people can see you, it's, it's flipping hilarious. 
Like it's the best thing ever. You, you, you want my job in that moment to see that because it's something, it's catalytic. There's something stirring. There's something happening. There's something and it's the first, I know it's, well, it's, yeah, let's see how they're going in three months time. Don't be such a cynic. They stood, it's the start. So today I wanna give you the invitation to join me in, in deciding to choose discipline over regret. Should be a no-brainer. Who wants to choose regret, right? Well, it's up to you. But if you want to join me this year, January 2017, as we journey towards God's promises, more of God's promises, how about you stand right now and I want to pray for you as you make this decision. I choose discipline over regret. Because the things that God is showing you, the, the things that God is promising you, the things that God is calling you to, if you don't choose to pursue them, they will become, they will move from, quickly move from promises to regrets. So let's choose discipline over regret. The big why. <laughs> Man, what a job. I get to see you guys standing. Thank you, Lord. What a great privilege. And God, this isn't some Tony Robbins seminar about how to look good naked and get a big jaw. This is about, this is about seeing your purposes fulfilled in our lives and through our lives, God. That we are people who are committed to living our lives in the pursuit of the eternal prize, that we would be used in our lifetime to bring You glory. We will be used in our lifetime to see Your kingdom expanded. We will be used in our lifetime to see more people come to know You for the first time. We will be used in our lifetime to, to, to see Your promises become a reality. That, that we will be used in our lifetime to be poster boys and poster girls for, for the God who is more than enough. The God who is El Shaddai, the God who doesn't just want us wandering around in the wilderness, but wants to take us to the other side. God, for every single person standing this morning, I pray strength for them. I, pray, I speak courage into them that, that, that we know, God, we're not idiots, that there'll be forks in the road. There will be times when this, this decision we're standing and making today will be challenged. I pray for great clarity. I pray for great, great encouragement from the, from the people around us that when they see us maybe making some village idiot level decisions that you'll use them to speak wisdom and truth and love into our lives, perspective. And that God, that we know that we don't just exist for ourselves. That all that we see is not all that there is. That You continue to grow us and lead us and we continue to follow in great and growing obedience. In Jesus' Name, we pray. Amen.